0: Hello! Those of you who have read the episode title will realise that this is not our regular programming. The Soul Music episodes are coming. I am hoping to uh, put the, the finishing touches on the outline this weekend and then uh, possibly record sometime next week, but that will depend on the availability of our guest, who I can reveal now will be Eden Cooperments, the editor-in-chief of the music website Heavy Bloggers Heavy, which I write for. So yeah, if you want to look beyond the uh, random death metal References, I drop into the episodes, you can go there and then read some of my writing as reviews and things I've written. And I do a, a thrash metal column that I, that I haven't been running this year because of, of life things, but I'm hoping to do a uh, mid-year roundup for that if I have time next week as well. Uh, but I do the, I'm um, one of the people that contributes to the release day roundup column every week. So uh, we put out a big list of all the, the albums uh, that are coming out each week. And when we do top picks, so every week I'm putting up there like, hey, this is something that I think is worth listening to. So you can check that out. Uh, Something else I do, though, is as of the start of this year, myself and uh, fellow contributor to Heavy Blog from Melbourne, Carlo Dorock. And I have never said Carlo's last name before. There's a running uh, gag on the show that we don't know how to say all these ridiculous band names. So Carlo, I'm very sorry if I have uh, mispronounced your name. But yes, Carlo and I have been doing a review podcast since the start of the year, where every month we uh, go through and and review all the albums from... uh, uh, the last month and that's been a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying doing that. Um so I thought given the musical nature of the next novel that we will be analyzing on Unseen Academicals being Soul Music, um I thought it might be a nice little stopgap to drop one of the episodes of that in here. This isn't the most recent episode we've done because uh Carla has actually been on break for the, the last month and then the the next coming episode. Uh so we had a a guest um guest host on there as well Trent from the blog who who lives in Canada and that episode's really good but obviously isn't representative of what uh, the podcast usually is like I did actually do another episode on uh, June's releases with Carlo but that was a uh, special tech death, that's technical death metal uh, focused episode because there were there are a bunch of tech death bands that released uh, albums in June and then Carlo likes that genre so we uh, did a thing where we went through all of those and that was a fun episode but I, I think the crossover between uh, technical death metal fans and Terry Pratchett fans that listen to uh, the Unseen Academicals podcast might be uh, a niche of a niche of a niche, to say the least, uh, even less than than whatever crossover appeal this one has. So yes, I've, I've gone with the episode before. This is uh, May's episode, which I think is a really good one and also covers some of the uh, bigger, perhaps more well-known releases. Uh, so on this one, uh, we have sort of a, a festival structure to what we cover. So our headliners for this one, now our big uh, talking point albums for the month, Rashomon by Ibaraki, which is the solo project by Matt Heafy from Trivium, um, who some more mainstream metal listeners uh, might be aware of. And then we also look at the new Kendrick Lamar album and um, the new one from progressive post-hardcore pioneers Cave-In with their album Heavy Pendulum. Uh, We also do a a cool people section, which is a a section we do at the end of the podcast where we talk about albums that that are too cool for us. They're either like the the really underground metal stuff or in this case, uh, some sort of popular, um, I guess, trendy hipster sort of albums so in this case, we did quite a prolonged uh, cool people section on the new Arcade Fire album. There's also a quick chat about the new Def Leopard album, uh, along with a, a bunch of other stuff from the likes of Septic Flesh, Evergrey, uh, Moontruth, Tremere, Malevolence, and and a bunch more in there. I've also uh, spent all afternoon going through and putting little twenty and thirty second samples of songs from all the albums that we talk about. So if you are so if you aren't familiar with the bands, that's there to give you a taste of what they sound like, and, and I'll probably end up doing that. Uh, Uh, going forward with the rest of the episodes. Uh, Yeah, so I thought this might be a fun one to listen to and maybe a good way to get into it if you want to go back and look at some of the other episodes, covered other bigger artists as well, such as The Weeknd. He was one of our um, headliners on the first episode, along with uh, Fit for an Autopsy, who Carlo and I actually went and saw last weekend. We've also had a chat on albums from the likes of Ghost, Ramstein, uh, Blood Incantation. We had a quick chat about the new Korn album, Um, new ones from Placebo, Crowbar, Sabaton. Um, Sugar, Crash Diet, and all the other awesome hair metal bands that have been putting out albums this year. Uh, that is a running theme throughout the episodes. Uh, Metallica's Kirk Hammett, Under Oath, Coed and Cambria, Billy Howardell from A Perfect Circle solo record, and then Trent and I talked about Alexis on Fire, Creator, Porcupine Tree, White Ward, and, and a bunch of other stuff. So so if you're interested in heavier music and, and death metal and things, or if you just like unseen academicals and like hearing me talk about things, um, this is obviously I'm not doing uh, a bunch of research for, for this this is just more off the cuff discussions uh so it's a bit lighter but i have a lot of fun doing it i think the episodes are, are pretty fun and, and entertaining um so yeah that's there if you're interested there'll be a link in the episode description so making it easy for you if you want to find that and uh yeah i'll be back soon with an episode or two on soul music see you then
1: hey caller. hi <laughs> how you doing i'm good what's our episode title josh um, I don't
0: know this week because I wanted to uh, name it after um the the big long one of the big long Coed and Cambria um album titles. Uh, and have it like, sort of like yeah, but the album got pushed um because you are doing everything in your power to not have to listen to it That's my uh, conspiracy theory. I reckon you went back in time and and told Adele to buy up all the vinyl so that you would you wouldn't have to uh, listen to Coed and Cambria, which is a shame because all I've been listening to lately is Coed and Cambria. <laughs> So I'm, I'm rearing to talk about it. Um, I think you should listen to the new Coed and Cambria album. That's my brief, uh, yeah, preview review. But we'll, we'll get to that next month, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. Where, what are you going to come up with a title?
1: Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> and more importantly, when are
0: people going to leave us with five star reviews and give us titles, and then we can use those? Although they may have, I haven't checked. I'll check for next episode. think <laughs> one has. It's all right. I'll, I'll come up with something. Yeah, but yeah, we're here to review uh, May's releases. Our lineup for this month, we have our headliners, the big sort of talking point albums of the month. We have Ibaraki, Kendrick Lamar and Kavin, no Keraheed and Cambria, sadly. And then Mm -hmm. uh, special guests, the albums from smaller artists that we think uh, deserve a bit of an in-depth discussion are uh, Evergrey, Septic Flesh, Moontooth, Tamarum, is how I'm saying that? Yep. got accents over the vowels, so who knows? Tamarum and Malevolence. And then uh, some quick looks at our supports from Def Leopard, Puppy, Catharos, Entgeist, Unprocessed, Morg Supplier. And I was going to do the Chasm, who Surprise released their new album last week, but I haven't really had a good chance to listen to it. So maybe I'll cover it next month. But if you like death and or black metal, you should check that out. And then we're going to do a bit of a, a stacked cool people time this month with albums from Blut ass Nord, A which I've never said out loud before. <laughs> And maybe the, the ultimate Cool People album for me, at least, unless um, uh, Radiohead released a new album, we have a new record from Arcade Fire. Um, yeah, so do we want to get into it?
1: Yeah, let's start with Ibaraki and Come on. <laughs>
0: 10 years in the making or thereabouts mm. and very, very different to what uh, I think we were expecting it to be. Cause this is the supposedly black metal crossover project with uh, Matt from Trivium and Isan of Isan and, and Emperor fame. Mm-hmm. although my understanding is it's not really black metal and Isan's not really involved that's where we ended up and what's your take <laughs> on the album
1: uh yeah i'm I'm still a bit confused about the whole Isan side of things i mean he's he's dir- only directly credited on one track if i recall correctly but i feel like he did have more involvement than that so yeah
0: I think there's a couple of songs that were made from like leftover riffs that he had mm. that they were working on together so they're sort of like based around it a draft of a song he had. I think there's a couple of tracks like that. Yeah, his vocals show up on um, the the last track or the last proper track. Yeah. And I did he produce it?
1: Mm, I think
0: so. Okay, so it, it is produced by Isan. And yeah, he seems to have been involved with some of the songwriting somewhere in the process, mm. but I, I don't really know. So this is more of a Isan-inspired, Isan-coached yeah. um, record than a full collaboration. So um, according I, I
1: to, the, to the website... The, the band website uh-huh. Uh It's an engineer Then produ- produced the record And contributed Some song structures Right So Yes So he's essentially a producer Yeah
0: And Before we get into Like What what we think of it itself Like what What is this album? Because I don't think It's a black metal album
1: No it's definitely not uh, I Yeah Like you said We're expecting black metal And I feel like it's just more Sort of Generic Progressive Extreme Sort of Metal Although even then Extreme's probably a bit far, isn't
0: it? I mean, it's at the lighter side of Extreme, but this is a. Yeah. If Trivium aren't an Extreme metal band, Ibaraki definitely are. Yeah. I don't know about generic progressive metal because it depends what you mean by like that. Like it doesn't sound like Dream Theater or whatever. But like like Opeth is the band this sounds the most like. Yeah, yeah, sure. But it also doesn't really sound like Opeth. And Isan sounds like Opeth, but this doesn't really sound like Isan solo stuff. <laughs> it's it's a bit of an enigma that it doesn't have anything like I don't think truly distinct about it. That sort I mean, of... it's
1: got Matt Heafy, so it sounds like it sounds like he's written it. Like a lot of the riffs are very much him,
0: but it doesn't sound like Matt Heafy being Matt Heafy
1: is the thing. I don't think it's too far from it. Okay. Yeah. Like, this is just him exploring his weirder side a bit more.
0: I mean, yeah. So, essentially, this is a a solo Matt Heafy album. Yeah. But, yeah, my point about it not having, like, a distinguishing thing is... It's sort of lashing out in all these things. I don't know if there's really like a, a centerpiece to the record because it's also got these like folk Japanese mm. things that are like there in the imagery and the lyrics and things, but they don't really come into the sound as much except when like they're doing a centerpiece. So it's it's a hard album to, to pigeonhole, but sort of, yeah, progressive extreme metal with a black and thrash influence but not really a black and thrash sound I guess yep. but you you are a massive Trivium fan like are they your favorite band
1: They're not my favorite but they're I'd say I'll put them in my top 10 Right so yeah you're the you're the big Trivium fan so we'll go to you first what are you making
0: of Rashomon by Ibaraki
1: It did take a bit of time to grow on me uh, I think in large part that was because it was decidedly not what we'd been primed to expect it to be but I am really enjoying it now and so this is a probably a, a top 10 Contender Probably. to to shoot ahead. The intro track is weird. I don't really <laughs> understand why we needed the like
0: uh, chanting,
1: yeah, stuff
0: <laughs> which shows up at the end as well. It's like a. I feel like, like
1: it works better at the end, but the start one, I don't know, just throws me. But all of the actual songs, sort of sandwiched in between the the starter and the closer, I think are, are fantastic. So I've been really enjoying it. What about you?
0: Um, I don't know how I feel about this album. I am all over the place, and this is going to be mm. maybe a bit of a theme this month is I'm going to need you to help me decide whether I like some of these albums or not because <laughs> the first time I listened to this I was yeah I was taken aback by oh this isn't really what I what I expected and also mm. I, I don't really know what it's trying to do second time I listened to it I loved it I thought it was incredible I was like oh this is amazing this like could be my second favorite Trivium album yep I just thought it was yeah listening to all the bits and then every other time I've gone back to so I've probably listened to it maybe like seven or eight times somewhere in that range every other time I I'm just all over the place with my opinions about this sometimes like within the one listening. The last time I listened to it, which was last night, I I really enjoyed it like more than maybe the last few times. But Mm. I, I don't know if this is a good album. I'm not sure it works. There's like, there's lots of cool bits that are really awesome, but I don't know if all the songs really go together. And I don't know if the bits within the songs go together. Like, yeah, I'm really confused by how I feel about this.
1: I think your impression is definitely warranted given the sort of variety on display and how different it is from what we were all thinking. But I do think it is good at the end of the day. And the hefeisms are what link it all together for me. I can see how each song relates to him and that becomes the thread rather than the songs being necessarily uh, sort of coherent, if that makes sense. So let's
0: talk about the hefeisms then, because... Like, musically, I think this album's pretty incredible. The the riffs and, and, and like, the progressive stuff and the leads. Mm. Like, the, the dude knows how to play a guitar and, and stuff. And I definitely hear Isan's influence. I don't know how much of that is, like, direct involvement, but Isan's influence mm. on the song structures and things. So I like that. The vocals, to me, are are a major issue with this album. I think I'd be a lot more into it if, if it did have, like, maybe more of a generic progressive metal or extreme metal vocalist. Like, the vocals on this are distinctly Matt Heafy, but they don't sound like Matt Matt Heafy on Trivium, and they don't sound like Matt Heafy on Modern Trivium. Which, for me, really, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this before that the the best thing that ever happened to Trivium was David Draymond. Like, there's so much of his influence in the way Matt Heafy sings now, and that yeah. for me is an absolute watershed on liking the idea of the band and never getting along with them. To okay, now I am a fan of Modern Trivium. This to me throws back to like he's trying to do more of an extreme metal strained vocal. Like, this isn't his like deeper thrash growl that he does with Trivium. It's a Much like higher pitched. It's not a shriek, but a raspier. Um, more strained delivery here and it's not the same as early Trivium but it reminds me of early Trivium where I just I feel like he's overreaching a lot right he he doesn't sound
1: comfortable on this record so it's the harsh vocals you're having trouble with
0: ah well it's the harsh vocals I'm having trouble with first I don't think he's cleans on this album or some of them are um so to finish up about the harsh vocals like I can really hear where Isan would come in if he was doing like half and half vocals on this like Mm. and I feel like if he's trying to recreate Isan and he can't or it's not the, the the same sort of thing. So there are bits where I think it would this would be a better record if Isan was doing the vocals and then you had Hefi come in with like the heavier, gruffer voice. Or when he does his big sort of like his deeper, clean vocals, I think sound really good. Yeah. But there are moments where he goes for that. I guess it's like in the Science and the Snow lineage where he goes for that like sort of epic heavy metal thing.
1: belting. Yeah.
0: And and I just don't think he's good at it. Like I think it's beyond his range. I guess because he sounds good when he's doing the the deeper stuff. But mm. what's the There's one song like I agree. I think all the song songs are pretty good, except for one, which I think was the lead single. What was the first single on this album? It's Tomishi no H- Hukaji, which has the Mario coin noises in mm-hmm. it, um, which is pretty sick overall. But then the chorus.
1: Uh, the high singing.
0: Well, it's not it's not the actual singing. It's the, the something take me by the hand, nurture that which I can't understand. Like it's too many words in the chorus. And this is a Matt, if we're talking about hefeisms, too many big words in a chorus is a Matt Heafyism, And (laughs) I am forever impressed that he made Genuflect one of the most catchy... I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) But other than that, it has never worked. And yeah, I think it's sickness. Is it sickness? Take me by the hand. Nurture that, which I can't understand. But he says, can't understand that which I can't understand should not be in a chorus. That is not a catchy <laughs> phrase. And there are moments <laughs> like that where like there's one earlier where he, there's a bridge where he's like, oh, it's nurturing me symbolically and metaphorically. And it's just shit like that where I'm like, right. what are you? And I, I was going to say he needs someone to tighten those lyrics, but I guess his song was there and, and didn't go for it. But yeah, his phrasing is really off a lot on this album. And I think that has been more or less a, a thing with Trivium. Like if you, especially on something like the Crusade, like early Trivium, there are way too many words per song. But other than that chorus, like that's the one that jumps out to me, and I go, "What? Why was that let through?" Mm. Yeah, that that bugs me. What doesn't bug me is the guest feature from Gerard Way on Ronan.
1: What a wild ride, hey? Yeah. So this is this is the guy
0: from My Chemical Romance <laughs> <laughs> who drops in halfway through a nine-minute-long black metal song to absolutely blow Matt Heafy's vocals out of the water. Let's get if Essan's not in, let's get Gerard Way in to do the harsh vocals for this whole record <laughs> and apparently he got on board because he called Matt Heafy up and said can you teach me how to do an extreme metal scream and he's oh, like right. yeah sure you do want to be on my album or whatever and I think he yeah that's the that is the highlight of the record for me when he comes in that is by far the, the best moment on on this album so more of that please
1: I yeah I, I do agree that the harsher vocals are maybe not his best uh they don't bother me as much as they perhaps bother you well
0: I have a history of being bothered by his harsh vocals so this
1: makes sense yeah yeah there. But yeah, I definitely agreed that on the music side it is top-notch. Yeah.
0: I think I just think the vocals sort of distract from the good stuff rather than complimenting it sometimes. Right. Having said that, could this just have been a trivium album?
1: It sounds a lot more like trivium than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Um could it have been one? I mean Uh, I think it could have.
0: Because, yeah, the the other guys play on it, right? Not all of it, but on a bunch of
1: it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess it depends on the other guys in that, like, would would they have wanted things to sound different to how this sounds for example
0: yeah i mean i guess the the point i'm getting out with with that question is that like this is le- far less of a departure than silence in the snow from their course found i think i think this has especially the last album they did the in the court of the dragon was like sort of had that proggy stuff like mm-hmm. this yeah this is far closer to shogun and and that album to me than- yeah
1: well there's one track in particular that is almost half the song basically just sounds like the end of Shogun.
0: Yeah, I think this could have just been Trivium's black metal or Trivium's progressive metal album. Mm. Um, I think the reason why it's not is because people did not like Silence in the Snow, and they have spent the better part of a decade clawing their credibility back. Like, they're sort of known as the band that fuck things up when they're they're on top. And, (laughs) And I genuinely think, like, it has to be a thing. Like, we can't, we have such a good thing going right now, we cannot blow it on this album. Not that, like, maybe there was never a discussion, it was always Matt's thing, but when you're like, oh, I could release this as a Trivium album and it would mm. sell twice as much and and we could do it or whatever because yeah once, once this sounds sort of out of the picture there's no real reason for this to be a solo record especially if the guys from Trivium are playing on it but I, I genuinely think now that they have established the core Trivium sound they've made three albums in a row with a consistent style like mm. with variations on that template but I think maybe having got back to that point they're less willing to actually take a risk with Trivium sound and that's complete conjecture but
1: yeah that, I'm not sure I agree with that like i think silence in the snow i don't think even they really like silence in the snow (laughs) that much (laughs) but that was that was kind of forced by his his voice getting fucked up and so he couldn't he couldn't scream on the record so then they had to adjust accordingly and we're like well we like Iron Maiden. We like Dio. Why not try something whilst we're hampered or hamstrung in this way? And we certainly haven't seen them try to come back to that since.
0: I guess I guess less on the, oh, this should have been a Trivium album. I would be interested to hear how much of this more extreme, more progressive sound shows up in the next Trivium album, or if the next mm. Trivium album just sounds like the last few Trivium albums again, or if there's going to be another Ibaraki album in another 10
1: years, maybe. <laughs> well, hopefully not that long away, because this is sick. And the the one thing that I really want to highlight is the weird, almost Ebo-sounding leads, lead guitar on a, a few sections. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, Komorebi, there's this one lead that is sort of going all the way through the song and its tone is really distinctive and I fucking love it. so good.
0: I mean, yeah, I think Trivium would be a more interesting band, if not a better band, if they, if they did take some of this and bring it back with them. But yeah, we'll see.
1: Agreed. Uh, certainly given that, as you say, they've been so consistent the last three, I don't want to hear them make that for the rest of their career like they interest me because they do change things up and I'm ready for them to change things up again
0: okay speaking of changing things up we've just gone from one of the most anticipated metal albums of the year extreme metal albums of the year um, now just just one of the most anticipated albums of the year the biggest album of the year probably I, we, we talked about yeah how Ghost and Meshuggah were some of the biggest metal releases who gives a shit there's a new Kendrick Lamar album Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers which I'm sure you've heard about even if you you are just
2: a metal guy. Take off the foo-foo. Take off the couches. Take off the Wi-Fi Take off the money phone. Take off the car loan. Take off the flex and the wireless Take off the weird-ass jury I'ma take 10 steps, then I'm taking off top off. Take off the fabricated dreams and a microwave memes. There's a real world outside. Take, Take off, off your idols. Me. Take off the runway. Take off the Cairo. Take, Take off
0: the sandals. Carla, you days dropped days. last episode that you're a big fan of Kendrick Mara, or a big fan of Topimpa Butterfly in, in particular. Yep. So we've, we've decided to yeah, cover this one. And this is going to be a big one. So. Oh,
1: well, why don't you kick us off, Josh? What uh, do you think?
0: All right. I think I think we do need a bit of background on on feelings about Kendrick Lamar before we go into this one. So do you have anything more other than you, you like To Pimp a Butterfly? Was, was that your first introduction to him?
1: I did listen to his debut as well, which I thought was good, but didn't like stand out to me in a huge way. To Pimp a Butterfly was amazing. And then Damn, I thought was strong, but I didn't listen to it nearly enough. Um, okay. So I can't even really remember much of it, to be honest.
0: Right, yeah, so I I also listened to the album before um, To Pimp a Butterfly, Good Kid, Mad City Which just, it's not his debut, there is one before There's two albums before To Pimp a Butterfly But no one cares about Section 80, so don't worry about it (laughs) Yeah, I I heard his name when Good Kid, Mad City came out Listening to the album and went, sure, but I'm not really that interested To Pimp a Butterfly comes out and it's incredible And you said last time it's one of your favourite hip-hop albums And then I have listened to it again in preparation for this And like I think it has a pretty strong claim to being the best hip-hop album in terms of yeah yep. impact and what it's doing musically and
1: It's just wild to me that a record like as sort of out there as that can have such success in the mainstream. Yeah, half of it is slam poetry. Yeah. slam poetry jazz. Exactly uh, Free jazz Or maybe not free But yeah Avant-garde And, and uh, funk <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah Really amazing album And especially like Just a huge departure From Good Kid Mad City Which I also went back And listened to that Which has more going on Musically to it Than I remembered But yeah The jump from that Which is essentially Like um, hip-hop Traditional hip-hop uh, Production mm. Into the jazz Of Pimper Butterfly Is a pretty huge step So I was Pretty disappointed With Damn Which is like A more minimalist Hip-hop yeah. album I really don't Think Damn is very good Didn't he win Like a Pulitzer Or he a, did, sure did For that Which is ridiculous Not because it's Kendrick Lamar winning a thing But it's Kendrick Lamar Winning a, a literature award For that album But it's the effect Where the sales For the thing After the good thing Are yep. bigger Because yeah This was all just Everything they should have Awarded to Pimper Butterfly And all the praise That should have gone on that And it was already Highly acclaimed Went to Damn And yep. not only did it Not deserve it I think it's It's a bad album I, I do not enjoy that record And then he, he hasn't done Stuff for a while I mean, he's done the the Black Panther soundtrack, which is sort of like a whole album. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how many years have we got between that? Because I didn't realize it had been that long. Bam like f- comes out in 2017. Five. So yeah, Yeah. five years before we have a proper album. There was no like advanced single or anything. There was just the announcement a couple of weeks and then bam, here's the album.
1: Double album at that.
0: Yeah. So initially going into this, I hit play on United in Grief. It's way more interesting and instrumentally involved and ambitious. This is like, we've gone back to the Pimper Butterfly style sound and experimentation. I'm like, great, I'm on board. I immediately, I like this more than Dan or I'm more interested in it. This is another one, Carla. I need you to tell me whether or not I like this album. I have no idea. I have more of an idea about this album than um than Ivaraki, but I I think I might need your guidance on this. So before I get into my thoughts, how are you feeling about Mister Morale and the Big Steppers?
1: I enjoy it, but it has too many songs. <laughs> I think there is an incredible album hiding inside this double album. And the first half, I think, is quite strong as a whole. And then the second half, the whole middle chunk of the second half, just I lose interest completely. I think it ends really well, but it probably should have ended six songs earlier.
0: I mean, this is a running theme with all a lot of these albums this month and and especially the headliners. All these albums are too damn long. I mean, we didn't really say that, but I think Ibaraki could do with some shaving as well. Like even if you just ditch the intro and outro tracks or something. Like, these are long records that overstay their welcome, which this definitely does. Like, I have struggled to listen to this album. Mm -hmm. Like, this is one you have to find time and space, and like, you can't just throw this on the background. This is an album you have to be engaged with. It is too long. It's not excessively long for a double album but you have to know you're going into a double album but yeah. I feel for me it's the, the second half um, where my interest is captivated and, and I start going oh hey this, there's a good album going on here right I'm really sort of down on the first half I think it starts strong with United in Grief and N95 which is just mm. like a good traditional hip-hop yeah. song the rest of disc one I could genuinely do without I think I really struggle with it so the thing with this album is like he's dealing with some supposedly heavy shit right mm. and I I don't know how well he deals with a lot of that or how interestingly he deals with a lot of that. Do you have a thought about that before I go into mine?
1: I haven't really dived into the lyrics too much. The only thing that really stands out to me on that front is We Cry Together, which I think is the mm-hmm. argument song, which I have no idea why that is there. Or certainly at least it, I don't connect with it and it doesn't sound good to me either. And whichever one is the, the trans song. Uh, the RT Diaries. yeah which also I think is not his best work. So yeah, that's about all I've got.
0: I The anti-diaries I am not qualified to comment on. Um, it's not part of my experience at all, but I think that there's definitely something going on there. Like where, mm-hmm. whether he nails it or not, it's... It's interesting. I mean, there, there's criticisms of it to do with dead naming and, mm. and obviously he's using the slurs, um, which I think is unnecessary. I, he puts the twist on it at the end, comparing it to racial slurs, but I don't know if that absolves him from making the hook of the song, him shouting slurs of something that, as far as I know, he is not part of that community. So mm. I'm not sure if it was handled well, but I think he's trying to get at something there, right? Um, And it is something that, again, this is the biggest music artist to release an album this year. So to have that in in the album is significant. We Cry Together, I think, is garbage. Yeah. So you said, yes, it's the argument song. It's him shouting, fuck you, bitch. And then a lady shouting, fuck you with the word that I'm not allowed to say (laughs) back at him for five minutes and then at the end they, they have sex and they say oh fuck you bitch and, and fuck you but it's meant to be sexy and or not sexy but you know it's the oh isn't violence mm. like sex and I hate that trope it, it's so lazy and meaningless yep. and this isn't anything like new that's sort of there there is stuff here like he talks about there's one of the latest songs where he talks about rappers having problems with sexual abuse and masculinity and stuff mm. which okay and it's like well this is this is bold and he's addressing the, the big issues but this is stuff rappers have been talking about forever. Mm. He's, he's not the first to say it, he's maybe the biggest to say it, but it doesn't seem particularly revolutionary to me. And a lot of the times it seems like he's just like there's the aura of importance to what he's saying rather than anything substantial there. Like, I, I haven't delved into it, and yeah, I, I can't relate to this. I mean, not only am I, am I not black and I'm not part of this, but I'm I'm a dude from Australia who likes death metal, so I'm really detached from like this <laughs> entire thing. But yeah, just just how I... am If we're asking how I'm reacting to it, I don't know if there's as much substance to this record as it wants you to think there is. Mm. And all right, while we're on it, the... Parallels between We Cry Together and the Auntie Diaries, right? So we're talking about slurs and things. Mm-hmm. The misogyny on this album is is a lot. He's commenting on it, but I don't know if that absolves him from it. Like there's, yeah. I don't know whether I'm going to bleep this out when I'm saying it, but part of the point is like it's it's not acceptable to for me to say racial slurs, but bitch gets thrown around. Yeah, rather like I think the first line on the album is something about oh these bitches or something, and it, it's said very hatefully, and I think he's playing that up to quote unquote expose the misogyny. But I really don't know if there's that much commentary there And I actually did a thing before we started I went through all the lyrics to Kendrick Lamar's albums Apart from Section 80 I did a, a search for how many times the word bitch is used per album <laughs> yeah. And how many times that the N-word is used per Kendrick Lamar album So to start us off, Good Kid, Magazine, City We'll use that as our baseline mm-hmm. 52 uses of the word bitch to 88 N-words All right, Right. that's your baseline. Do you want to have a stab at, I guess, or you can go under or over foot to pimp a butterfly?
1: Uh, I'll go under for bitch and over for N. Uh, Both are lower. Right. Um, Bitch significantly slow
0: with only 20 on the entire record. So that's less than half. Um, And then you've got about 20 less N-words at 70. Damn, we're back up to 60 bitches. So that's the most. um, It's 10 more than Good Kid Mag City. But only 27 N-words down
1: from 70. So quite a drop off there. Right.
0: All right. Do you want to have a guess at Mr.
1: Morale? (laughs) I'm guessing we're into triple figures.
0: Not quite, but we have a significant step up to 93 bitches through the whole album, Mm. and then uh, 59 M words which is only more than Damn, so at least 10 less than To Pimp a Butterfly and 20 less than Good Man City. So there seems to be a trend throughout his record, with with exceptions, that the use of misogynistic slurs, and also in this case... homophobic slurs yeah there seems to be an increase in the use of that language and a decrease in the use of racial language maybe that's for a reason maybe there's a justification and and you can talk about it but it is for me definitely noticeable upon listening to this album just how much of that is is going on and i i don't know this has been a criticism of of hip-hop forever right the misogyny but yeah i think he gets a free pass a lot because it's kendrick lamar saying it and i don't know if kendrick lamar is necessarily saying anything worthwhile about it
1: yeah, I think that's fair. Mm.
0: So overall, I don't know if I like this <laughs> Whether it's artistically valid or not, I don't want to listen to it. I've listened to it maybe four times, mm. and that's definitely once more than I've wanted yeah, to. Yeah,
1: about the same for me as well. I think it'll need and edit as in get rid of the songs get rid of some some of the fat and maybe even a reordering Mm. and then salvage what's are some great songs in there
0: I'm glad to see that the musical experimentation and the ambition is back because people said it was there on dam and and I don't think it was but yeah I think what sets this apart from To Pimp a Butterfly is To Pimp a Butterfly is fun to listen to whereas this one even if you Mm. like it I don't think this is a fun
1: album I think the I think the starting the first half up until We Cry Together I think it's pretty fun Mm. Okay. Um, there's some there's some fun catchy beats in there. Uh, some popier some popier songs. Some more jazzy songs. I think it's a reasonably good blend.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I like any of the after the first couple of songs on the first six. Like Die Hard, All I'm saying is Crash Diet did it better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shall we move on to more comfortable territory?
1: Let's go. Cave in. Heavy pendulum.
0: this is the band that I said Nick's band reminded me of right yes if you remember back to episode two the, the february episode yeah i said we broke the rev- uh, weather reminded me of Caven specifically um jupiter era spacey prog cave though i pointed out that cave-in sound depends on which album you're talking about yeah do you i think i asked them but you don't really have any history or familiarity with cave right that's right okay so i won't go into crash diet levels of detail but to give you the quick rundown on on where cave start off as a metallic hardcore band in the boston scene in the early 90s so they're hanging out with converge who they mingle and share members we'll get to that and botch and bands like that mm-hmm. they release a couple of albums or one album and a collaboration of, of EPs but they release an album called until your heart stops in 1998 that is seen as a foundational sort of classic of metallic hardcore and at that point they're doing like the beyond hypothermia which is the EP um, not collaboration compilation that comes earlier like has a hidden track that's a cover of like it's a Metallica medley right so they're they're really like coming from that scene which mm-hmm. even now I'm, I'm hoping you're realizing that is a quite a far distance away from where we end up on Heavy pedal <laughs> they come back in 2000 there's an EP in between but they come back in 2000 with their second album Jupiter this is the one I think we broke the weather sounds like or reminds me of this is Spacey Prog Songs um, and this is sort of seen as their classic release mm-hmm. but at this point there is no hardcore there's it's heavy it's riffy I mean their trademark song off that album is called Big Riff but it is Spacey <laughs> Prog there's no real metal to it Their next album from 2003 so all of this is happening in like two or three years apart from each other they come back with an album called Antenna this album sounds like a mix of Radiohead and the Foo Fighters um, and is also seen as a bit of an, an underground classic. In 2005 they released Perfect Pitch Black which is a bit of a mix of, of everything it's a, it's a cool album but one of their less revered ones and then um, in 2011, so quite a, there's a six year break between that, they come back with an album called White Silence after they've been away for a while I think maybe they broke up for a bit, I'm not really sure. They come mm-hmm. back with an album called White Silence which is fucking wild. This album mixes everything but it's a much more extreme record than they've done for a while it's my favorite cave-in album. I, I think White Silence is really quite incredible. That sort of sits more in like chaotic hardcore, post-metal, things like that. And then they're writing a new album and um, their bass player, Caleb Schofield, dies in a car crash halfway through writing that. And they end up releasing that album, I think a few years after he dies, but they they don't finish it off. They essentially just put it out as, hey, here's what we had. The yep. album's called Final Transmission from 2019. It sounds like a half-finished album, although it seems like it's sort of low leaning more towards that alt-rock radiohead influence style sound so all over the place who knows what's going on in cave-in and then three years later they get Nate Newton from Converge to play bass and they come back with Heavy Pendulum an album it's all about the riffs color. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the song off Jupiter is called Big Riff. This album should be called Big Riff. This is an album full of big riffs, and I like it. What about
1: you? Uh, so uh, as I was putting this on, I was thinking back, and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember these guys being a metalcore band or a hardcore band. That was 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> it Space Prop. <laughs> and so I, I was like, well, this is either I'm thinking of the wrong guys or this is not what i had signed up for but i i think it was good really though what this makes me think is just this is a mastodon album if mastodon made alt rock
0: yep i can can definitely see that
1: we've got the rumbling bass we've got spacey guitar vibes um gruff vocals so that's the the main point for me but it has unfortunately failed to break through the fine barrier oh
0: you bullshit You tell me an, uh, a song like that opens with "New Reality" and "Blood Spitter" doesn't just tear down your fine barrier and crush it to dust? Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> what can I say? What can I say, Josh? It's so long as well. Like it's just like goes and goes and goes and they're not doing enough different things to justify that runtime.
0: I half agree with that statement. I fully agree that it is way too damn long. As I said, that is a running theme this week. Um, And I think this is maybe the most way too damn long of all the Mm -hmm. albums. Maybe Kendrick Lamar, but that is a double album where this is like, hey, you're meant to listen to this all at once. In terms of not doing enough different things, tonally, I do think they stay within the same realms. Mm -hmm. But what I was about to say is this album starts off really heavy and ends really softly. And there is sort of a fairly linear tradition through that. So I do think there's a there's a ballistic sort of dynamic to this where it is changing but it is it is a slow gradual change rather than okay now we're doing something weird because yeah new reality starts off and we've got Nate Newton on bass and uh, who's the guitarist who uh, Kurt Bailey the guitarist from Converge who produces all the bands What Sound Like Entombed he's producing this and it doesn't sound like Entombed, but fuck me, it sounds like No Heroes era Converge. One, one of the times I, I saw Converge, it uh, was on the No Heroes tour, um, and he came out by himself on the stage and played mm. uh, to, to start the show. This is Kurt Bailey from Converge. Kurt, Bailey. No, that's Corey Bailey. Kurt Ballou. I think I just did a Converge Trivium crossover there. Um, he played the song Plagues. So this is how they open the stairs. He just came out on stage, stood in the middle of it and played the opening riff to Plagues, which is just like this grinding riff that goes into a big bend and then starts grinding in. And he just played that on stage by himself for about two minutes. And that is what uh, New Reality that opens this new cave <laughs> album sounds like. Yeah, and then they follow that up with a song called "Blood Spitter." which these were releases, the, the two singles from the album. When I heard these singles come out, they, I like wet myself in anticipation. I was like, okay. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Haven, they do different stuff I'm like nah I'm on board but yeah these there are other heavier songs throughout the albums but they never get anywhere near as heavy as this I don't know "Careless Offering uh, which is about halfway through sounds like a mix of Neurosis and Devon Townsend which is really cool and I you, I've asked you before you're not a fan of Neurosis so I see why you wouldn't be into that sort of vibe although that mm. sort of brushes up against the the Mastodon thing you're coming up but what the other influence that I think is is on this album is there's a lot of Alice in Chains in here mm. especially uh, what's the song? Reckoning, the, the second last song on the when they do the slow acoustic stuff, it really sounds like, yeah, mellow um, acoustic Alice in Chains. And, and you're doing the, the scrunchy up I don't get it face. Carlo, remember that time you said, what are they called? The Tesseract Band. Uh, Crown, Crown the, not Crown the Empire. What were they called? Um, uh, that we reviewed was it last month give me a second I've got them in my list Crown Compass uh, Textures the
1: Textures Band
0: the Textures Band Crown Compass yeah, yeah, yeah. you said the acoustic stuff on that album sounded like Alice in Chains
1: yeah I did
0: that comment has haunted me <laughs> since you made it I have like no shit like I, every day I just stopped and been like what the hell like I don't and that's not to say oh, you're, you're an idiot and it doesn't sound like that I just whatever you uh, are hearing there I'm like which part sounds like Alice in Chains do you know the the Lewis Black part the comedian Lewis Black, he has a, a bit where nah. he says he was in a restaurant and he overheard a lady say, if it wasn't for my horse, I wouldn't have spent that year in college. And that's just a sentence that he overheard that he can't stop thinking about for the rest of his life. And that lady is now broke. Like, that's what you've done to me with the Alison Chains comparison. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm at work. I stop and I look up and I go, what about it sounded like Alice <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's baffling I, I need to solve it so obviously I don't know where we're picking up this could be like the you know that dumb stoner conversation of like oh does the blue I see the blue the blue you see or is it red or whatever this is like is the Alison Chains I'm hearing the same Alison Chains you're hearing because this to me there are moments where it like it may as well be Jerry Cantrell on the album doing the like sludgy harmonized acoustic stuff so I thought you might have picked up on that and liked it but you're only it's only fine For
1: you, it is only fine. Okay, look, look, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll give it another go to try and, and, and I'll try and keep Alice in Chains in my mind while I listen to it because uh, that might help.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with this album is it it is too long. Mm. Though I don't know if there's anything I particularly want to cut. I mean, I think the only song I, I would cut is Waiting for Love. Not really into that one. But otherwise, I think it probably rather than like cutting songs, it just needs like, sometimes they repeat a riff a minute longer than they need to. Yeah. And like, yeah, the last song, Wavering Angel, is like 12 minutes and it doesn't really do anything. I think it's a really cool song and I think it's probably going to become a fairly iconic song for them, but I do think mm. they could have shaved a few repeats. But um, yeah, I, I'm really Really loving this album when i first the first couple of listens i thought this might be a challenger for to knock fit for an autopsy off the uh one spot. i have called on it since then after the initial impact of fuck yeah blood spitter has like calmed <laughs> down but yeah this will definitely i would be shocked if this isn't in my top 10 at the
1: end of the year all right well i'll give it another crack i mean you're not gonna like it <laughs> i mean i like alt rock and i like mastodon so yeah i mean
0: you said that but you don't like the mix
1: well, I, I'm not. I don't object to the mix. I just object to this particular version of it. But maybe if I give it some more time, they can change my mind.
0: I mean, it's definitely more of the uh, like stonery side of Mastodon than the like prog metal. Like, there's no, there's no whittling. Oh, actually, he does shred here and there. It's pretty sick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, more, more in line with for, for me, yeah, the grindy Converge and sludgy Allison Chains is the mix here, and uh, I'm I'm for it. Let's see if we can't find um, some things you like uh, more in our special guests we're kicking off with with a band that i'm also shocked (laughs) i'm constantly shocked by the things you say on this podcast carlo but that's that's why we're here because you told me previously when we were discussing what we wanted to cover that uh you're a fan of evergreen
1: yeah
2: we
0: a fan of gray right? they're a very good bat, but um not at all the kind of thing I would uh, expect you to listen to because Evergrey are like a, they're a weird one but they're like a heavy metal prog sad boy prog meets upbeat, uplifting heavy metal band mm. really not something I thought you'd be into so yeah why don't you tell us about your uh, history with Evergrey.
1: You're you're right to be surprised because I don't usually go for this what I call melodramatic brand of prog and I only have a fairly recent history with them so uh, it was the album two albums ago what's the Atlantic something like that Uh, the one with the pirate ship on the front yep yes Uh, so that was my introduction to them and I've got a, a mate Noam who's a big Evergrey fan and he keeps telling me to go back and listen to Hymns for the Broken. He's asked me about 20 times and I am yet to get to it. But yes, The Atlantic, I really enjoyed. And then Escape of the Phoenix came last year and that one took a bit more time to grow on me. Didn't really connect with it much at first, but there was just something about it that made me keep coming back. And then I ended up enjoying that one quite a bit as well. So that's my history with them. What about you?
0: All right. sorry. it's interesting that Noam recommended you Hymns for the Broken. Because that that is also the Evergreen album that I sort of revere them for mm-hmm. to the extent that I, that I do. That that's the album that introduced me to them, and and I love that album. Um, and I've gone back to it in advance this, and it's it's fucking great. So that I got into them and was like, wow, this Everband band, uh, band are pretty great. And then listened to all the new albums that came out, which I think there's only one between that and the ones you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, the Storm Within from 2016, which I also really liked. Uh, for whatever reason, by the time the Atlantic came out, um, which I did listen to and thought was a really good album, but I just wasn't really interested by that point mm. escape of the phoenix came out in 2020 and i think i listened to it once and wasn't thing. so i thought i'd sort of let them go um but i am glad that you've brought this on because it's i've gone back now because yeah i'm jumping on um with Hymns for the broken in 2014 but these guys have been around since the mid-90s and i think there's like six albums they released before that no seven yeah. there's seven albums before those ones which have more of a rawer, mellow death sound than the, the melodramatic heavy metal stuff that are later things but yeah i have now listened to every evergreen album And I do think it's those (laughs) mid-period ones that I'm most fond of. Uh, But yeah, I've had a real good time over the last couple of weeks listening to Evergrade. They, they do a very specific thing, and there's not a whole lot of variation in the sound, but they're, they're very good at it, and they don't really sound like anyone else. Like,
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: As much as their sound, like sort of like we were saying with Ibaraki, like, there's a lot of reference points where you can go, oh, they've got the prog metal, like mm. Queensryche, Fate's Warning, they sort of fit into that, but they're heavier, and Catatonia sort of makes sense, but even though they're called yep. Evergrade, there's not a sad, they're like happy Catatonia. <laughs> so, yeah, they're a very singular band, I think. This album is struggling to break through my fine barrier to um,
1: borrow a, a turn of phrase. Yep. So, we're onto A Heartless Portrait, The Orphean Testament. And uh, I'm with you. Right. Okay. So, it's not just me. Hasn't clicked for me either. Uh, and whilst the previous one, Escape of the Phoenix, didn't click with me initially, like I said, there was something about it that made me want to keep coming back, and here I don't get that either. So huh. it's not clicking with me, and it's not really pulling me back in. So I wasn't sure if if it was a case of the album's just not as, not as good as I'd hoped for, or if it's two albums in two years, have I just not had enough of a break between Evergrey albums?
0: I think that's the same reason why I sort of fell off them, where it's oh, another Evergrey album it's sort of the same mm. sort of vibe even though it's it's really good this one I think does have a different vibe to the other stuff like this is a much it's weird to call a band this as you said melodramatic and kind of bombastic and over the top but like sort of dour there's a melancholy well not, no not melancholy because that sounds down but there's like I don't know you're the you're the artwork guy the cover to this album is blue and the cover to the Atlantic is bright orange and both these albums I think those covers capture the, the mm. vibe of them like yeah. I find this is rather than that uplifting woohoo evergreen feeling that because another parallel to escape of the phoenix i'm finding here escape of the phoenix didn't do much for me except the first two songs like rule and then it sort of tails off i have the same mm. effect here where save us and midwinter calls i'm like okay rocking and then it just sort of yep. just stays in that gear it doesn't yeah. really reach that height so yeah i was wondering if it was like i've been sort of frustrated this album and i have found myself going back to it a lot just to be like did i not like that album and then <laughs> yeah, every time i, I come mean. away from it like it seems as i'm listening to them i This is good, but yeah, it's not connecting with me. I guess emotionally, Mm. but worth checking out if yeah you're you're a fan of the band or you like the sound of that. But yeah, I would say go back to the Atlantic or Hymns for the Broken um, before going to this if you've never heard of them before.
1: Yeah, not bad by any means, but not their best. No. All right, where do you want to go next? Let's go for Septic Flesh and Modern Primitive.
2: (laughs)
0: big Septic Flesh
1: fan.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, There's these another band that have been around for ages and have, I think this is their 12th or 13th album or something. But um, yeah, are, are, you, are you familiar with uh, Septic Flesh?
1: I am. It's been a long time since I've listened to them though. Uh, so I gave Titan a few spins when that came out. That was my introduction to them. And I enjoyed Codex Omega quite a bit when that came out in 2017, I think. And so, yeah, I like that then. And basically, they've completely fallen off off my radar since then so i haven't listened to them in yeah, a good five years
0: yes that, that's interesting because titan is probably the one of their last run of albums because they're the last two they've released you mentioned there um, mm. so coming to them um, on Titan I think that's a bit of a weaker entry in their catalogue at least in the their more recent stuff because yeah they've been around since I think their first album in the year 94 um, yeah. and they had more of a doomy um, sound in, in the early stuff and then yeah really varied their sound a lot like I, they have an mm. album called Revolution DNA from 1999 which is just a straight up mellow death album and it, it fucking owns but it sounds like nothing else they've ever done mm. they're just like halfway through their career like oh let's drop one of the greatest me- mellow death albums of all time and then oh, back to symphonic death metal now we're going to do a completely orchestral album um, but yeah I think they solidify their sound and, and hit their stride on communion in 2008 the great mass which comes out in 2011 which that was the album that fully got me on board with them mm-hmm. I was sort of a casual fan before that the great mass comes out they've upped the symphonics a lot it sort of reminds me of cradle of filth quite a bit really like that and then codex omega their last album uh, which you said you've listened to from 2017 mm-hmm. I think that is their best album I think that is the point where they got all these different like strands, pulled them together and went. This is the definitive uh, Septic Flesh album. I think it's super underrated and yeah, one of one of the best extreme metal albums of, I was going to say the last five years, but 2017. It's been a while. So yeah, quite a lot of anticipation um, for Modern Primitive coming out, what, five years after that? Mm-hmm. And initially, I, I probably wanted to stick this in in the headliners. I was that excited for it. And then it got pipped by co in and Cambria and then they disappeared. But I wasn't inclined to put it back there because this is another one that is, It's. I don't think this is a bit of a disappointment, especially coming after, um, Codex Omega and I'll explain why but how are you feeling about it first
1: it didn't click with me at first um but I am enjoying it more and more the more that I listen to it I think that they've got a decent balance between the the death metal side and the orchestral side here the riffs are groovy I don't think the orchestra is overdone so it's it's good is it list worthy is it as good as as what they've done before I'm not so sure yet but I'm um, I'm still in the process of giving it some more listens.
0: I would encourage you to go and listen to their other albums rather than coming back to this one because yeah, it was interesting to me that you said to, you came to them on Titan. I think Titan's a good album but is a bit of a, a step down from the two-reader side of it. Hmm. This to me is now the the weakest of their modern run. And I think the reason is it's like okay, so Septic Flesh for people who don't know are the like the symphonic death metal band.
2: Yes.
1: They
0: do the heaviest death metal with the biggest symphony and then that, that's their thing that they do. And here they do that but that's kind of all they do. They just do big riffs and big symphonics. And a lot of the other stuff that was going on in their music that set them apart and above everyone else, I thought, isn't really there. It, they sort of just, they just crunch and and that's there. Whereas their previous albums are way more dynamic. And what is noticeably missing from this is, I don't, I don't know which member of the band does it, but one of them does clean vocals that are quite operatic. Like, sort of like when ICS Vortex was in Dimir Borga, right. but not as... Cheesy, I guess. But mm. pre- on previous albums, that has been a centerpiece of their sound where it all builds up and swirls around these massive choruses here. I think the clean vocals are only used like twice through the whole album. Yeah. So for me, this is this is very monotonous. And to say it's not dynamic when it's like doing these huge riffs, and then there's like it does, it does quite loud, but like tonally, it's very, very monotone. And yeah, I just don't think that the choruses are big. There is a run of songs in the middle of the album. So there, there are nine tr- tracks on this album, and the the middle three, uh track four Neuromancer, then The Coming Storm and A Desert Throne. Mm-hmm. I think those songs, particularly Neuromancer, are really great. Um that they, they would feel Fit in with it with all the other stuff. But then either side of them are just sort of these flat songs that don't really go anywhere. So yeah, this this album, rather than uplifting me and making me feel huge like previous yeah. Septic Flesh albums, it just sort of like almost mellows me it feels like a, a very stagnant soft album so yeah i don't know i don't know about this one um i probably like it more than evergrey but
1: yeah it's probably
0: same. same sort of problem where what's going on is good but it just doesn't have that grab to it although i did want to mention the only thing that that did reach out and hook me is you know in the in the first episode you said there's the bit and fit for an autopsy where it sounds like he wants a lemonade <laughs> When do, do you listen to the hierophant does it not sound like he's going ah the elephant <laughs>
1: i'll have i'll have to list for that alone i'll have to come back to it
0: (laughs) so uh, yeah a bit of a disappointment there but not not a bad album but yeah i would say listen to start with um codex omega and the great mass and sort of work your way back if you're interested in septic flesh sweet all right what do we want to do next
1: let's go for moontooth (laughs) photo
0: Okay, Moontooth, a band that I don't have a 10-hour long history before we drop in, because I saw whatever their previous album was called was getting a bit of buzz around the blog. I think I listened to it once. I went, oh yeah, proggy, prog metal, cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you familiar
1: with this band at all? They had a lot of buzz in blogland with their debut, Chroma Chroma Paragon. But that one, coming coming into this record, I had no recollection of what they sounded like. So that gives you an idea of what kind of impression it made on me at the time. The album in between the debut and this one, I don't think I even checked it out and so here we are right
0: so that was crux from 2019 that's the one i had listened to and then is yeah i don't even know this chroma paro dragon paragon chroma paragon it has got a dragon on the cover okay <laughs> so i went and checked this album out because we, we got the promo for this through the blog like way early at the start of the year when there wasn't really anything around mm-hmm. i was like oh that's a name i recognize and it's got it's got cool cover art i hope this is coming up in your uh, gift to artwork column it's very cool so i was like all right i'm gonna check this out yeah um and i'm glad i did because i really like this um, and I don't think you necessarily have to have a uh, previous relationship with Moontooth because as far as I know this is a fairly different sounding album uh, for them Because Eden did review it for the blog it uh, came out last month and he said that Phototroph uh, sees Moontooth double down on the more saccharine and bouncy elements of their music cutting some of the technical fat that was the only thing holding them down in the past to create a moving emotional and danceable album and yeah that's where I'm at with this album I think not only is this album like really cool this is a really fun album which which is not something you uh, really associate with uh, prog metal. Prog, yeah. Is that, um, how are you feeling?
1: Uh, it's struggling to get through the fine barrier for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the sound, I feel like it's swancore with blues. Okay. Um, And I think the vocalist is quite good. Bit of a crooner. Interesting voice. Distinctive. Yeah, like, it's pleasant. It's just not really connecting. Okay.
0: When you say swancore, that's like dance, Kevin dance and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Uh, For me, the band this reminds me of, and this might be another, I only have one type of reference for this kind of sound and therefore anything. This sounds to me... Like Baroness, but if they were like party Baroness.
1: Yeah, that's it. Baroness
0: showed up to a house party and started chugging like beers and we're rocking out in your lounge room I think that's <laughs> what this would sound
1: like I think we're sort of talking about the same thing but just coming from the different angles where you're coming from the bluesier side yeah um, and I'm yeah coming from the techier side
0: well the, the bluesier side as well as about to say is Track 2 Backburner starts off sounding like George Thorogood Which uh, George Thorogood you you don't know or you're shaking your head but you do know because George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyers <laughs> sing Bad to the Bone ah uh, right yeah <laughs> so it comes in with like that <laughs> slightly Guitar and I'm like, yeah. You don't normally get that, um, yeah, from a prog metal band. There's even there's a song, "The Eye That Never Dies," that starts off with like a bouncy, almost POD-esque new metal riff, and then has a chorus that reminds me of Mudvayne, like in their more uh, progier moments. Mm. But yeah, I think this is a a very varied album. Like, it does have that that core yeah. to it. Like, it all sounds the same, but almost every song has a different like take on this sound. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I was I was really big on this album throughout. Like, yeah, I guess the first quarter of the year. Since then, I have cooled on it, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is other stuff has come out, so it's just sort of faded away. But Mm. I think I I listened to it too much. So, I've, so I'm sort of burnt uh, yes. out on it a bit. But I reckon if I give it a bit and come back to it, I, I'm i going to be into this when I give it a re, a revisit. But yeah, this is just a a fun um, prog metal album. Like the the title track that ends the album, it finishes with like a big Ying Malmstein Malmsteen style like shred solo <laughs> and then they just fade out. So um, yeah, this is, this sounds like an album that was fun to make and I think it's fun to listen to. So check it out. Yeah, it definitely broke through my fine barrier. Something else that broke through my fine barrier is our uh, next album, the next couple of albums actually to to give us a heads up but i don't think one of those was a spoiler we're going to this is Tremerum with ash in realms of stone icons a band even had talked about them before. And then he was like, hey guys, he posted in, in the blog section, was like, guys, just the new Chimera one, let's come in. Just like get ready. I was like, "Alright." I checked it out. Now this, to me, this is like progressive black metal that with, it's got a mix of progressive black metal or post black metal with with progressive death metal because mostly through the ample use of fretless bass. Um, but the main band that this reminds me of, and this is another one that anything that sounds like this, I'm going to say sounds like this, but I really think this sounds like they are who I believe are another band in your top 10 alongside Trivium.
1: They are my number one band.
0: I Okay, they're your, they're your favorite band. Was it Citadel's your like favorite album? Yep. Okay. So anytime I hear something like this, I'm like, Carlo, check this out. It sounds like Neoblivas Gares, and you tell me it doesn't. <laughs> um, which is fine. Like you, you know better. I really think this sounds like a Neoblivas and I really think this is fucking good. Am I right? <laughs>
1: So I'm going to keep you in suspense there for a (laughs) bit, Josh. Oh, all right. (laughs) And so had you you listened to Tomorrow before? I maybe, but no, I was not. Right. So my understanding is Trent discovered these guys among the blog circle. Okay. When they released an EP a few years ago. And he was like, guys, check out this cool new band. Two song EP sounds like Nabal Viscaris. Oh, okay. And then I checked it out and was like, I don't really see how this sounds like Nabal Viscaris. Uh,
0: Sounded more and- like Alice in Chains, did it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it didn't really connect with me that much. And then fast forward a few years, here we are. And now they do sound okay. like an able of Ascaris. And this is a good album. So I am I am with okay. you. This All is right. cool.
0: Suspense Quelled. Um, I think this is way better than cool. I think this, this is really good, right?
1: I'm... Tossing and turning with it. So I'd probably say, uh, I've maybe listened to it 10 times. And maybe seven of those times I've thought this is this is pretty good. And then three of those times I've been like, this is fucking incredible. Right. And the latter is becoming increasingly common. It probably wasn't until the fifth or sixth listen that I hit that for the first time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to spending more time with this because there's there's definitely some some super cool stuff going on here.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is another one like Kendrick Lamar, where you have to sort of be a in the mood in the right place, but also ready to give it your attention attention because yep. when i've put it on and just sort of done other things it's like this sounds good but i don't i'm not really engaging with it and and i do really like it today i had it on i had some housework to do just taking out the rubbish and doing the dishes and things and i just had my headphones on i was walking around the house i was fully like immersed in it and mm. I, I think this album's fucking incredible with some caveats i think it's too damn long <laughs> To continue the uh, the theme, yeah, it's it's about an hour long, which is quite long for an album, and quite long for a very dense prog metal album. Yep. And I think for me, the the best song on the album is track five, "Where No Warmth Is Found," which really reminds me of uh, Woods of Ypres. If you know them,
1: yeah, I've heard of them. I haven't. I don't think I've checked them out though.
0: Um, well, yeah, that that's uh, Woods of Ypres. That's spelled Woods of Ypres, or so yep. Y-P-R-E-S. Um, yep. Their last album, I think, called Chapter Five or something um yeah it's really great reminds me a lot of this mixed in with yet more prog death stuff but that to me feels like a really strong and natural climax for the record and then there's a 11 minute and a 15 minute song after that to go (laughs) and as good as those songs are i think the the song after is black forms from gray i think that's the one weaker moment on the record like it's really good by any other band standard but it if i was going to trim this album that is the song i'd cut Mm. and then probably bring the final song Awaken to Eternal, Eternal Slumber which is really good as well, move that up forward, yeah, um, to make it a bit tighter but yeah, I think everything that's going on here is great I do think it's sort of lacking hooks, not in terms of like big pop mm. choruses or anything, there's just not moments that I really remember, it's more of a wash yep. but I was saying Cave In at one point was challenging my album with the year spot and I think this is my favourite album we're covering this week so if it's going to grow on me I, I think yeah, um, this could be a, a few sort of classic album in prog circles
1: one thing i find interesting you say when no warmth is found is your 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 favorite Uh and you also don't really like portal of eye neo's debut is that right (sighs)
0: I, I don't not like it the same thing not only does this sound like Neobal Viscaris, but it, it reminds me of Neobal Viscaris, where like it's great the moments are great and then mm. it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming and exhausting at a point right I, I, I like that album objectively that album's amazing it just doesn't yeah it doesn't connect with me as much as it seems to with, with other people it's the the one your favourite one the Citadel's the one where I, I have trouble just like
1: getting into the groove with it right okay because yeah that that song could easily be on Portal of Eye um, right. if it had violin and clean singing so that's that's definitely the touch point i think for this record it's sort of the earlier neo the more black metal leaning and they've got the whole soft melodic parts with the more aggressive parts in- shout out to introspection too that is really really strong like it's not often that a three minute instrumental sort of interlude in the record catches my attention the way that this does i think it's gorgeous in terms of the caveats that i have like i, I enjoy this front to back. The vocals for me are a bit one-dimensional. I think there's a guest vocalist that comes in on one of the last couple of tracks and it just it was much needed to just get a different tone, a different timbre of harsh vocal in there and just spice things up slightly. But the one the thing that just kind of annoys me with with the album is the intro track. Oh really? Why would you have an instrumental intro and then have like the first two minutes of the first actual song also be instrumental? So it just becomes, you end up having like five minutes before the vocals kick in. And I think that could like, you could lose people who just think oh, this is an instrumental album, not my thing.
0: That's a, that's a bit of an interesting twist for you to drop on me right there at the end. Cause I was going to say, when you said introspection two, which is the halfway through the album is really cool. I was going to say yeah, introspection one that opens the album is really cool too.
1: I like how it sounds, but it's the why is there five minutes with no vocals? Um, so either the, the first proper track didn't need its instrumental intro, or you didn't need Introspection 1.
0: I mean, it's all, this is the same thing we were having with the Alice in Chains band where I was saying with the, the four-minute instrumental track, mm. it's going to like give you the wrong impression. But I, I do think Introspection 1 sounds more in line with the rest of the album than that acoustic track did, and then it goes into like thrash prog. Yeah. Um, whereas this is just it's an intram- instrumental version of what they're doing. I think it flows into the first song really well, and I, I don't know if this would be a problem if there wasn't that track divide there, if it was just a 12-minute song instead of a 10-minute song that had this at the start. Mm. I, I don't know if this would be causing that gap for you. I, I do agree that the vocals on this are pretty one-dimensional. I also don't think they're really relevant or necessary. They're just sort of part of it. Like For me, the, it's the instrumentation that is driving this album, so that
1: doesn't yeah, bother me at all. It is early career Neo with Tech Death Bass. Yeah, Well, yeah.
0: Um, that, that was going to be my final thing before I move on to <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Malevolence is just, shout out to, I've looked him up now, Aaron McSporrin on the Fretless Bass. This is fucking wicked. You're so good (laughs) at Fretless Bass. (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> Let's get him and we'll make a super group of um heavy blog review, the heavy blog review pod super group we will call them whatever in the reviewettes or something but we'll get we got nick on saxophone <laughs> we got this guy on bass and by the end of the year we'll have uh we'll have a band i i could just listen to this album instrumental if he was like the lead instrument i think uh, it's it's pretty impressive so yeah it's Get on it i'll spell uh did not there's i was gonna spell it out but there'll be links in the podcast description so yeah, yeah check them out
1: and Ash in realms of stone icons is not a common album title so that's true yeah <laughs> you'll be fine guys
0: our final special guest switching gears we've, we've been progging out for a while we're going to uh, Sheffield in the UK to check out uh, yeah UK hardcore crew Malevolence their third full length album
1: Malicious Intent
0: Let the, on the We'll
2: back Just my Stop.
1: Ah, uh, colleague, do I even need to tell you how I feel about this? My, well, my first line is: "This is Josh Metal, if ever there was some." Uh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you? Okay. We'll, we'll get on to me. Do you want to describe the sound of this album and tell tell the nice people how you feel about it?
1: Uh, yeah, this is this is sort of Pantera and Cycroptic-related uh, hardcore groove metal, whatever you want to call it, and the riffs absolutely fucking slap, yeah. so that's all you need to know.
0: Are you saying Cycroptic just because the cover is obviously from the same series as the cover of the new Cycroptic album? Because that's definitely not a musical reference I would have pulled out.
1: Uh, no, I do think some of the riffing okay. um, is similar. Like it's not as frenetic, but I, I, I get some elements here and there. Right. Um, no,
0: that's interesting. And I will listen to that next time. The Pantera riffing is definitely there. I think I would have gone for Lamb of God more than Cycloptic, but that could sort of like, yeah, I can see the lineage there. The elevator pitch on Malevolence, if you're not familiar with them, is what if Hate Hatebreed, but also Crowbar? And some of you might be thinking, well, there was a band called Kingdom of Sorrow that was literally the dude from Hatebreed and the dude from Crowbar. Yes uh, Malevolence do it better At least on On this album This is their Yeah their third album They've been around for a while Since 2013 was their debut So we're 10 years in They've only put out A couple of albums This is a bit of a band That I I should have loved And sort of Everyone was like Oh my god Malevolence They sound like Crowbar And Hatebreed And then I listen to it And go yeah this is cool This is the first time It's Grabby And I think that is Because this is their First time releasing an album on a, on a bigger label This is a much cleaner Better produced album Than their early stuff Which is really kind of rough And I think it makes an absolute world of difference in bringing out the, the punchiness of this kind of music. Mm. Um, but going back to the Hatebreed crowbar thing, uh, Kingdom of Sorrow who I did see live opening for Cancer Bats once and, and had a good time, but they're more doing what if the dude from Hatebreed was singing crowbar songs. This is more doing what if the guy from Crowbar was singing hatebreed songs They're coming at it from the <laughs> other way. And the last couple of Hatebreed albums I think have been pretty uh, poor, whereas this it's, would stand up among some of the best stuff hatebreed have ever done. I... This isn't my favourite album because Cave In and Tamaram released an album uh, in the last month. This is the one I've listened to the most. It's like a half an hour long of just the second song, Life Sentence. Have you, you wouldn't have... Have you seen the, the video clip for this? No. It is the most awesome, dumb, hardcore thing ever. <laughs> they're just like in a parking lot, they're wearing bulletproof vents, they're waving around lighters with, with the aerosol cans and they're like making gun faces into the camera and then it gets to the end and the breakdown kicks in, there's a big explosion. It fucking owns. I love that song. It sounds exactly like <laughs> Doomsayer from Hatebreeds Rise of Brutality. That's one of the best metalcore, hardcore songs ever written, so why not? Apart from uh, the the crowbar stuff that sort of comes through on more of the the clean singing and things the other thing that sets this apart that you've alluded to is the guitarist from this band can fucking shred yep yeah this is like if they've stuck mart morton from lamb of god in hate breed and gone yeah go on um which especially comes out on uh the penultimate track track number nine salvation uh featuring your boy matt heafy
1: yeah the whole thing is great that is correct yeah
0: Um, yeah, well, I was just wondering about the, the Matt Heafy thing because I uh, noticed like his vocals are there sort of in the background. He's doing the harsher vocals, which I think work better here than they do on um, Ibaraki. But mm-hmm. like the riffing in that song is has more of a trivium vibe to it. And I wonder if they've changed that or just they've written it and gone, it sounds like him. Or I wonder if he is also contributing to like some of the playing because there's this, the soloing that's in that song is crazy, but I don't know if it's the Malevans guy or if, it, if it's him. So
1: yeah, I'll, um, I'll try to pay special attention to the guitar work then.
0: Wait, so this is something you'd go back to it's not just
1: me no no this is good yeah okay the the vocals the vocals are a bit weird i think especially the cleaner cleaner ones um, so that took a bit of getting used to but I think I am used to it now right. and and yeah the riff slap so this is it's broken through the fine barrier and it's it's on the fence of is this going to get onto the list or is it not going to get onto the list so uh, yeah we'll no, this
0: is this is definitely on my list uh, yep. this is this is the best uh, hardcore album of the year so far and we're halfway through so but the the way the comeback Kid album made me want to flip all my furniture this makes me want to flip all my furniture and then set it on fire <laughs> so awesome <laughs> (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the clean vocals, I've heard there's been a bit of feedback about this album. It seems to be fairly divisive among the fan base in that it's either seen as a huge step up just in terms of songwriting, or now they're emos with clean choruses, um, which is a specific (laughs) thing I've seen said in multiple different places, (laughs) which is ridiculous. um, One, because that's a dumb thing to say, but also they have been doing this, like if you go back to the first album, they have the clean choruses. So this isn't a new thing. Mm. And also, the chorus to Unbroken Glass is fucking huge. The guy, the guy, the guitarist who does the cleaver, his name's Conan, and he looks like a guy named Conan. He's just this like tanked <laughs> dude. Yeah, this album is a, is a lot of fun and definitely recommend checking it out for when you just need, yeah, just just metal <laughs> or yeah. hardcore just hard hitting, hard. I mean, there's one of the songs has a sample at the end that says like, oh, hard as fuck or something. <laughs> and that, that about sums it up. But yeah, I think there's what sets them apart is that the songs are tighter. The riffs are heavier. They can play better. It's
1: this is good. And it goes hard as fuck. Enough said.
0: All right, let's smash through some supports then. Now that I'm fired off after listening to so I'll just put my head down like the Juggernaut and X-Men and just plow through these. I was going to say there's no hair metal this week, but there is. There's like the biggest hair metal band. We have a new Def Leppard album. <laughs>
2: My electric desire. You'll must stop these rhythm method dancing your vibe. And I just can't stop it. Oh, not every day. And I just can't stop it. And I love it that way. I don't
0: want to get a said last I week. It, it. I'll listen all once and tell you it sucked or listened at <laughs> once. It sucks. <laughs> this albums <laughs> bad. Um I'm, I'm starting to think Deaf Leopard are bad which is, like, they are a headliner, festival headliner stage band who haven't put out not only a good album, but anything worth listening to for 30 years. Their entire legacy is based (laughs) on Hysteria, which, like, that album is maybe, like, a a, definitely top 20 all-time for me. Mm. But, like, how are they still as big and revered as they are? Meanwhile, Whitesnake, who are my go-to, like, hair metal representatives, are still putting out great albums. They're sub-headlining. There is no justice in the world, Carlo. (laughs) But I am, I'm starting to think, yeah, Def Leopard, they sort of, it's the exception rather than the rule because mm. their first couple of albums are okay. They they do Hysteria, which is one of the biggest rock albums of all time. It's great, it's amazing. I, It's between that and the self-titled 1987 White Snake album for me of what is the best hair metal album and then they do Adrenalize which isn't even half as good as that and then literally like 10 one star records since then except for the only exception for that is that they did an album in 2008 called Songs from the Sparkle Lounge people immediately wrote that off because of the title that is the only one of their post-stereo albums that I think is worth listening to and that might be an only (laughs) me opinion I put that one on it's pretty cool it's surprisingly it's kind of heavier than some of their stuff there's a bit of an industrial influence but they put that out, and I was like, oh, maybe definitely but is still good. Their last self titled album from 2015 False. was a fucking embarrassment. And this one is too. If you watch the video clips for this, it's the opposite of that malevolence one. It's them, they're just old. And rather than growing old gracefully, it's like old dudes trying to be cool young dudes. This, mm. yeah, this album's bad. Okay. Moving on to one that you... I'm assuming you didn't listen to the new Def Leppard album.
1: No, no, I did
0: not. You didn't listen to Hollow Front?
1: Not yet, no. Like, I uh, will get to it, but yeah. No, I I, I, I don't
0: think you need to. I think it's right. quite bad and boring, actually, but you tend to like Architect stuff, so I was more interested <laughs> to see what you thought. The pitch on that one is, rather than sounding like an Architects clone, they now sound like a Polaris clone. Right. So we've reached, like, the next step of, <laughs> of Imitation. Like, they're really... One of the videos for whatever the the single off the new thing, like, they look like Polaris... Right. So yeah, we've now transcended, we're now imitating architects imitators. But I wondered if you if you got more out of it than me, but you didn't listen to it.
1: No, no, no oh, I do, to you, listen do you wanna
0: bring up bring up the song and tell me you can go, oh <laughs> let me let me see, what's it called? Um uh, yeah, there's the video on YouTube mm-hmm. of uh
1: Kermatose by Holofront. And am I looking out for something in particular? Just, just tell the me Polarisness. I, yeah. <laughs> well tell me if it's any <laughs> I'm Yeah, the the vocalist has definitely gone to the same styling school, it seems. Mm -hmm. He
0: moves like Jamie from Palalis
1: as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you like the stuff. Is this
0: making you want to listen to the rest of the album or, or what?
1: Uh, I'll give it a spin. Like it, the intro was super cool and I feel like it's getting worse as it gets longer.
0: Yeah. it's There's a song on it called, I think it's Heritage that's like way heavier. It's pretty good. Mm. It kind of sounds like Heart of a Coward more. Right. I've just, yeah, I've seen this album getting a bit of a push. Like it's on UNFD. Like I'm amazed these guys aren't from Australia, that they're literally not Polaris's mates or something. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like they're doing this fine and it sounds okay, but it's just, it's like a carbon copy of a carbon copy. I feel really cynical about this, but mm. I was wondering if like there was a quality there that might uh, appeal to you. And then we did listen to the, uh, though, was, uh, the Puppy album, which um, I, I didn't think you were going to listen to. Are you were a Puppy fan? Do you like Puppy? Do you know who Puppy are?
1: I have no idea who Puppy are, but you said it was pop rock. Okay. And whenever I hear that, I get a, I get excited about the prospect of another Dom Ah,
0: well, I think this has gone in a, a pretty different direction. Although it might not have because, Puppy, this is their second album. Pure Evil their first album The Goat came out in 2019 so it has a cover that's like a satanic altar like morbid angel altars not altars the magnets covenant right you've got the you got the necronomicon and the candles and the skull mm-hmm. but it's on a pink background like a ba- lush baby pink background and that is a right. pretty good indicator of uh, puppy sound on that album because not don broco but i think the reference point here would be ghost modern ghost in the right. mix of occult rock and uh hair metal so uh yeah this this album had just big chunky riffs that sort of like indie alt rock and then van halen style hair metal that came through especially there's a song on that album called uh world stand still that i just think fucking owns right so i was uh very hyped for this album pure evil and carlo they got rid of all the hair metal
1: they did like as as you were going through that discussion i'm like josh is not going to be happy with this there's no hair
0: metal on this album (laughs) it's just indie rock and spooky shit
1: Did they get rid of their biggest selling point, Josh.
0: I mean, I don't know really, because on top of just being the thing that I liked about it, it was the <laughs> thing that sort of set them apart. And if you got mm. ghosts doing the same sort of thing, it seems like, yeah, something I'd want to attach my wheelhouse to. But yeah, this this sounds like nineties indie rock, smashing pumpkins, yeah with occasional yeah, chunky riffs, nasally voice. So um I'm gonna make a prediction. This was not what you expected, and it's not something you're you're that into. Correct. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, like it's pleasant it's not bad but yeah it's fine
0: it is fine but yeah a bit of a I was really looking forward to uh, where they'd go and not where I wanted them to so Mm. that is Puppy with Pure Evil Uh, something else I thought you might have been interested in was Catharos. do you know what the album is called
1: of Lineage's Long Forgotten
0: This is a symphonic black though on. Yep. On Willow tip, which is usually a good indicator of quality. Um, this is getting a, a bit of a bit of buzz, a bit of push from the label, I think. Sounds like Emperor is sort of the, the pitch and the overall assessment, I think. Is mm-hmm. um, this doing anything for you?
1: Not as much as I'd hoped. Like it's it's should be right up my alley. Um and there's not certainly nothing wrong with it. Like the black metal has some cool riffs. There's some bombastic horns thrown in, uh, which it's always a match made in hell. Uh, but yeah, it's just struggling to break through the fine barrier for me.
0: I, I agree. Um, and that that sounds pretty damning. I think
1: this is a good album. No, it's not bad by any means, yeah. But yeah, I'm not really motivated to go back to it really. Yeah,
0: same. Another album which you didn't listen to this one. This is uh Entgeist with Rez Gastei, I think that is pronounced. <laughs>
1: Uh, you you didn't listen to this one? No. I, will, I, I do plan on getting to it eventually, but yeah. I, I recommend you do
0: because this album, apart from just being quite good, sounds more like what I expected the Ibaraki album to sound like.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Which means it's a much more conventional basic record than the Ibaraki run. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds like black metal with sort of a thrash basis to it. It's very riffy with a bit of bit of prog death to it, but not like the the thrash black metal that we've talked about before, like uh, Covey or anything. It's Maybe thrash is the wrong word, but, like chunky riffs at the center of this black metal swirling around it. Mm. Um, track five. Brief ouster Isolation. Right. This is, you know how um, all the, the Obscura albums have the Where the Slime Live song? Mm-hmm. This is one of those. That's oh, cool. real good. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this has got like enough to it to like make my end of year list or, or anything like that. But yeah, very cool album that is, is in line what I expected from Mibaraki. So yeah, I recommend checking this out if that sounds like something you'd be into.
1: Yeah, sweet. Will do. Um,
0: and It's kind of proggy as well. Like it does by the end, there's sort of these voiceovers the are me of Cradle of Filth and stuff. It's not as basic as I'm passing it off to be but yeah it's a cool one uh do you want to talk about unprocessed who we're slipping them in because they technically released uh, this in in june but um you're a big fan so
1: yeah why not then have a huge amount to say on it yeah. Test, they released a few years back now. What year was it? 2019. They released Artificial Void, and I'd never heard of them before. But it was a really strong gent album. Their style of riffing—it's sort of like gent and new prog meeting meeting one another. And they've just got a yeah, a texture, a tone, a feel to their to their guitar playing that is sets them apart from everyone else trying to trying to replicate that sound. I went back and listened to Covenant, and that's also a really strong record. Uh, And now they've just put out an EP called Boy Without a Gun. So it's only six tracks long and it's good in general EPs don't really get a huge amount of traction from me but it's keeping me sufficiently interested and invested in them that I'm looking forward to their next full length i think it's a bit on the poppier side not as much crazy guitar going on um but it does a job it's more unprocessed that is a good thing
0: yeah i think the the new prog thing that you said like is what sets them apart it's like mm. they're gentle but it's they're not really gentle they're a tech metal band yeah and yeah the, the pop sort of uh, like like Indie pop, I guess, mm. is more in the way of the vocals rather than like the tesseract style thing. The, yeah, what's definitely. the album you really liked?
1: Artif- Artificial Void.
0: Yeah, I listened to that a couple of times on your recommendation, and like I didn't connect to it as much as you, but I thought it was like pretty good, pretty impressive. This is leaving. I've only given this like one listen because it came out like two days ago, but yeah, this left me pretty nonplussed. I think as you said, they're they're leaning on the pop side, but almost mm. to the neglect of like this isn't metal enough. Is is sort of my gut reaction to it is that the first song has like the big tech parts but then the rest of the songs almost there's a few that just don't really have any tech element to them they're just sort of upbeat yeah. pop songs which is fine i'm just not that interested but something else i noticed going through it is they have a tendency to have like a verse where like nothing's going on and then they like rock out for a bit and then they come back and they do the verse and now i'm like is it because what they're playing is way too hard to do and sing <laughs> so they literally like have to do it so it's a bit of a, a bit of an odd mix i think if you'd come to me with this i wouldn't be into them, but I, I also would be interested to check out their next album just based on, on the one before. But if you, if you watch the video, like they can play, the, the yeah. drum is nuts. Yeah, um, so yeah, one to keep an eye on. I think a band I'm also going to recommend to keep an eye on without throwing my full recommendation behind are a band called Morgue Supplier, which is pretty brutal, <laughs> with their album Inevitability. <laughs> The house came out on uh transcending obscurity so it's that kind of thing if you're familiar with it with that band it's sort of like death doom grind core this is mm-hmm. this is everything uh you'll recognize it by it has the cover from the same series as the last cycroptical whereas malevolence have the one from the new um i don't know if this is good or it's definitely not bad but it is interesting there's something about this where it's a weird mix so the basic pitch is a mix of grindcore and death doom right but which is a weird mix to begin that with it is
1: weird yeah
0: But it has more of like a dissonant, like Gorgut's dissonant death metal, but also like Behold the Octopus without being like techie, but that sort of weird janky metal.
1: Like you're yet to say a single thing that appeals to me, but just none of these things are meant to go together. And now I just want to listen to it out of curiosity. (laughs) Okay. Well, if you're
0: going to listen to it, throw on track three, Empty Vacant Shell. Right because it starts off sounding like sloppy grindcore and finishes sounding like sloppy doom metal. But there's like a bit, there's a run in the middle from about track three to track five where it sort of all comes together. And right. I'm like, is that deliberate? Is it like, there's something to it. So, And I've I've listened to this album like a few times and I come back to it and I'm like, I don't know if this is like fun to listen to, but it, it's very interesting and I think there's something there. So if you're into weird extreme metal, because I haven't seen anyone else like even acknowledge this album's existence. This is um, Inevitability by Morgue Supply. Give it a listen. Yeah, it's a weird quick. one. Um, I guess that brings us to cool people time. But before we get there, I want to want to take a bit of a diversion to something that might become a semi-recurring section when it's warranted, to something called uncool people time. So <laughs> rather rather than listening to uh, the albums that are too cool for us, this is uh, when we go in on on albums that, are, that we are too cool for. We are too cool for, because there is a Five Finger Dash Punch album coming out in, <laughs> in a couple of months, and I will listen to it once and tell you that it's bad. No, this uh, this is mostly here because um, in the lead up to this, I noticed that there are not only one, but two Frank Sinatra tribute albums from um, Esteemed Metal coming out. So first of all, there's, I don't know, this is another word I've never said out loud. I think it's Udo or Udo, um, Udo Dirk from the original singer from Accept, who then had a solo career with his band UDO. So he put out, yeah, his isn't a full um, Frank Sinatra cover record. It's like just a covers record, but it has a uh, it's called My Way and it has a cover of Frank Sinatra's My Way on it. And then, Mark Tremonti, guitarist from Alterbridge and Creed, who is you know known as being quite a good guitarist, has a solo career, but has put out an entire album of uh, Frank Sinatra songs called Mark Tremonti Sings Sinatra. And I think a, a few years back on the the regular Heavy Blog uh, is Heavy podcast, Heavy Pod is Heavy, they did like an end-of-year awards thing, and one of their categories was the Who Asked for This Award, yep. which was something I found really funny and then have continued to nominate something every year, and no one else cares. Uh, they never did it again, but every year I I'm on the watch out for what wins the Who Asked For This Award. So this was here to go. Not only who asked for one Tremonti Sink Sinatra album, who asked for both of these people to do Sinatra cover records. Now... I've since done some research. The Euro album, it's like it's like his 70th birthday or something. So it's a celebration that he just and some friends got together and, and did an, an album of all his favorite songs. And right. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And there's there's a cover on there of uh, Queen's We Will Rock You that sounds nothing like We Will Rock You. It's like 80s driving like heart heavy metal with him like doing like accept stuff over the colour. Apparently he's done this live a couple of times. I think it's really cool. Right. I think it's like like a really interesting take that um, really works. None of the other songs sound like that. They're all straight covers and they're all like stuff a 70-year-old guy would listen to. Like there's a cover of, of Tina Turner's Nutbush um, being sung by a 70-year-old guy who could never sing. So, all right, fair enough. You turn 70. This is just a fun thing for you to do. Why not? Tremonti sings Sinatra, which just seems even weirder. Why is the guy from Creed... Like, because he's in the band with, with... Who's the dude from Malta Bridge? Miles yeah. Kennedy. Miles Kennedy, who is known as... Like, like an amazing singer i don't Mm -hmm. really like him because he does that wobbly um uh, chris cornell thing that i'm not really into but like he is known as the powerhouse vocalist tremonti is known for being a sick shredder not for his vocal prowess so like the the headline tremonti sings sinatra is not really (laughs) yeah i don't really understand that um having skipped through some of the tracks he does a decent job of it he sounds pretty good it is a successful thing but it's just another guy singing sinatra songs
2: fly me to the moon let me play Among the stars, let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars.
0: Apparently, this was done for charity. Right. Yeah. So now I can't be like, oh, who asked for this because the sick kids <laughs> <laughs> So I, I feel a bit bad making fun of these. And also I, the that's not metal podcast pipped me to the post by they pointed this out on their podcast that came out last week. I've been sitting on this for a month being like, I'm gonna make fun of Frank Sinatra. But I even though that's being done for charity, I do wonder if getting the guy from Creed and Alter Bridge to sing Frank Sinatra songs is the best and most efficient way to uh raise money. So just a weird oddity that we I wouldn't have spoken about them if were one each but the fact that two of them came out within a month of each other is <laughs> a strange occurrence that i thought was worth pointing out all right on to cool people time then i don't have any sunglasses in proximity. But- oh i do let's go let's do this i skipped it last week but here we go. <laughs> sunglasses on yeah a bit of a stacked lineup this week because we took some of the supports from uh blit Nord a Moment and put them in here because uh i haven't really listened to these albums because i'm scared of them <laughs> <laughs> I have given them a couple of listens each the The Blood Arse Nord one um, I was particularly interested in because I really liked their last album because um, yeah. yeah this isn't a band like what are they like weird post black metal avant-garde weird shit but yeah Hallucinogen from 2019 which has like weird purple flowers on the cover I thought that was a, a cool interesting album did you listen to that one
1: that's the only album of theirs that I've heard and I thought it was sick yeah right okay cool so I was right to uh,
0: recommend you check this one out because the other reason I recommended you checking this out is uh, you liked that Blood Incantation album from earlier this year, where nothing happens?
1: Yep, it was okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is an album where, where like, sometimes some shit happens. <laughs> so I, I like this better. That's a bloody incantation. Um, is this, this doing anything for you? Because this is uh, very different from hallucinating. Only
1: I only haven't been able to get through a full listen of it yet. <laughs> um, no, not in a bad way. Just, I ran out of time before recording. So I'm looking forward to giving it proper attention. Okay, um, so you will actually go back to this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Alright,
0: okay. I, I was worried this was another one where you were going to come in and be like, what, why?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm all about Bulltiles Nord. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Honestly, why is a well, what we've
0: not realized in setting this thing up is, Color, you're actually pretty cool. <laughs> 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 That's why you don't have the sunglasses. You're not a poser. <laughs> um, I mean to describe well, the sound of this well, album. Well,
1: maybe oh, hold on. hold on that until we get through the rest of, okay, of all the right.
0: time. Yeah, to to just describe the sound of this album, it's like real, it's like a lo a lo-fi black metal, post-black metal album. It's mm. sort of just like continuous, static. There's there's no bass in this album, but it has that like another thing I thought might have appeared to you is it has that weird, like Lovecraftian vibe to it, like not only the cover's like this big tentacle pile thing that looks pretty cool like a wall uh, mm. kind of vibe to it Yeah, that comes through in the music as well I think. Um, Alright, you've convinced me to go back to it, because I sort of listened to it a couple of times and went oh yeah, but you reckon there's something here, so I might invest further as well. Sounds good. So in a similar sort of vein, and my, my original pick for Cool People before uh, all this other stuff came out was, uh, there's a new formamut. is that how we're saying that album?
1: Yeah, Eform- B- band rather.
0: Yeah, Fomamut, which I don't actually know what it's called, because I don't have that's saved in my library
1: the album is Fenners So, did you listen to this one? I did not. Right. Okay, cool. I have um, listened to Mort" before, uh-huh. and they have not appealed to me.
0: Well, yes. I would say don't bother with this one, based on that. Um, but also, maybe do, because it's it's kind of similar to, yeah, it's got a sa- kind of similar vibe to Blood Arsnoord and Bloody <laughs> Incantation. Am I saying that weird? Am I? It's just. A no, it's and- no,
1: it's just. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at the band. At the band. Like, okay. who comes up with that? Honestly. Uh, French. Does people? it mean something? Yeah, something French. What does it mean in French? White is black. Oh, they're German. No, French. Blood from north, in, from German. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That, you that's really obvious. I'm thinking German, not French. Um, Makes sense.
0: They, aren't they? They're French, right? Yeah, they're French,
1: but their name's German. I Maybe they're, they're from cool the French part, the German part of France, like Strasbourg <laughs> or some shit. Is that a real thing? Yeah. or the It's in Germany. No, it's not. It's French. Yeah, is it? It's in France. Yeah. It was German so. for a few centuries, but it's oh. in France at the moment. Okay. <laughs> I did not know that. You should go there though. It's a sick place. Yeah. Yeah. It's in France.
0: Well, well I was going to say, I didn't like France, but I did like Germany. So I would probably like German France. A Ephemermut. Ephemermut. Where are they from?
1: I think they might be German. Italian. Italian.
0: Same sort of vibe with that posty journey sort of thing, but they have a bit more of a psychedelic thing to them mm. of- these three albums, the uh, Blood Incantation, Plutarch Nord, and the former one that we're talking about now, uh, they're, they're all very different, but if you are going for that like space out sort of vibe, uh, this is the one I think that does the most for me. It's also the one that has the most happen in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the psychedelic vibe, I think, gives it a real flavour to it, that if I was going to put something in the background and just sort of zone out, I'd, I'd probably go for this one, but uh, while I was impressed while listening to it, yeah, I'm probably not going to go back to it myself, but I, I think this is a good album, if that is something that interests You. All right, let's get to the main event. The coolest of the cool
1: Arcade Fire and We, as in We the People, not I Need to We.
0: got any history with arcade fire no all right um do you have any opinion about arcade
1: fire all, all I know about them is they have a lot of band members <laughs> and that they have a lot of different instruments. That's about as much right. insight as I've got.
0: So I have somewhat of a history with Arcade Fire, not by choice, <laughs> it's a non-consensual exposure to Arcade Fire. Because <laughs> when I was in high school and all my friends that I hung out with,
1: we listened to metal and we were cool. You mean you listened to Arcade Fire and you were cool because it's well, in Cool People's I guess time. we weren't cool, but
0: it was cool. Like We talked about metal, we talked about music, we also sort of listened to the same sort of thing like old rock and... And, and metal like I went further into death metal and things but they were still into like yeah heavier rock stuff and all of a sudden they all just fucking started listening to Arcade Fire and Vampire Weekend like they were done metal's dumb. now it's an Arcade Fire if we go away we can't put on something that rocks we're gonna sit around all weekend listen to Mumford and Sons and Arcade Fire and I fucking did my head in because <laughs> I hate it yeah. yeah this is years of repressed <laughs> I, I saw Arcade Fire like in passing at, at one of the big day out festivals they, they were on a stage that I I was walking past and yes, there was about 20 people on stage. I think about four of them had a tambourine. Um, <laughs> they looked like the polyphonic spree, and they were singing this twee shit. Um, so not into Arcade Fire. And then in the years since, I have constantly heard from like heavier metal spheres that no, Arcade Fire are the credible indie rock band. Like they're the good one. They're the interesting, cool kind of proggy one. Maybe, maybe Arcade Fire is the go. But um, yeah, all right. Bef- so before we get to the album, do we have you got a spare four minutes to watch this video? Yeah. But uh, this is this represents my attitudes towards uh, Arcade. Arcade Fire, Circa, when did it come out? 2010?
1: 2010, 2010
0: yeah. Uh, this is a video, if you look it up on YouTube, it's called Toe to Toe, with the, the number two, with Chooker, Arcade Fire versus Aborted.
2: Alright, welcome to Toe to Toe, I'm Chooker. This week on Toe to Toe, we're going to be looking at the best album of 2010. We've got two albums for you. First off, representing fucking indie rock and hipster shit cunts in general, we've got Arcade Fire with their album the suburbs. Yeah, and coming at you, boring into your fucking skull like a shitting power drill, we got gonna bought it with their album, Corollary Strokes. So we're gonna put these two albums toe-to-toe and see who emerges the victor and who gets smashed to a bloody pulp like my little toe which I dropped a Bessabrick brick on last Thursday. Concept, Arcade Fire have come out with an album that's all about life in the suburbs. Yeah. Nothing ever good fucking happens in the suburbs, except a bunch of shit cunts hanging out at the shops. Aborted, on the other hand, have an album all about the fucking blackness and brutality that exists within the soul of man. That and like fucking just cutting up dead bodies and shit. And that is so fucking brutal, I just shit blood. Here's a sample of Aborted's lyrics from their song, uh, Cadaverous Dissertation. This wretched corpse we gladly dismember, A rotting shrine, a puzzle to unfold Uh, Necrotic tissue vacillating We're fornicating silence And fornicating means fucking. B-A-F mate That's brutal as fuck. Or B-A-F-C That's brutal as fuck cunt. That's pretty good. I should copy mark that shit. Fuck off cunt. And here's a sample of Arcade Fire's lyrics. This is from the song Ready to start. Businessmen drink my blood. Now that's actually a pretty fucking brutal lyric. I mean businessmen, they never worked a real day in their life, they never seen a dude with a fucking metal bar through his chest at a build site. You know? Businessmen are cunts. And you know, drinking my blood, that's awesome. But then, they, go, they ruin it by going on to say, like the kids in art school said they would. Oh, fuck off! Oh.
0: So that video came out right in the middle of the exposure and came a real cultural uh, touch point for me. Um, It was nice to see myself represented in the media. I wasn't doing weed hits out of a crushed up VB can, but everything else in that uh, video is is fairly accurate to uh, my feelings about Arcade Fire at the time. Although I, I am, it does bug me that Coronary Reconstruction is an EP and not an actual album. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there there are so many quotes from that video because I watched it for the first time like in a while uh, coming back. It where I'm like oh that's just shit I say now I say <laughs> I should copy mark that shit like all the time. I'm like fuck that's from that dumb avoided video. Uh so that is all my baggage um uh, I'm taking into this uh arcade fire album.
1: All right, hit me, Josh. Are uh, you cool do you, now? Do you want to go first? Uh, okay, so I thought there were some nice electronic moments. I think the having multiple vocalists is pretty good. I think it starts okay, and I think it ends okay, and that the middle might as well not be there, and the slow parts are boring as fuck. All right,
0: I'm now going to say everything Carlo just said, but way more angry and ranty. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have, of all the albums we did this week, I don't take many notes, but my notes for Arcade Fire are three times as long as any other notes. <laughs> I have on other. Um, I think, yeah, apart from being um, like passively exposed to them and I, I maybe think I listened to the Suburbs album once and was like, yeah, I'm not into this. When I put this on and the first song came on and it was like this mellow, like electronic thing. Apparently this is something Arcade Fire have been doing over the last couple of hours, but I'm like, this doesn't sound like what I thought Arcade Fire sounded like. Mm. I was like, this is pretty good. I was like, oh, this is cool. It sort of reminded me of... Of uh, like a electronic version of that last brand new album that we're not meant to talk about, and is the reason why Persephone was my album of the year that year. But I was like, okay, this is cool. And then the second the second song had more of an upbeat pop five. It was like, hmm. I didn't think it was great, but I'm like, oh, this is alright. If they were playing this in in the background, I wouldn't be like carrying on as I probably would at the time. But I'm like, okay. And then the soft shit comes in, Carlo.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's not even good, soft shit. <laughs> we well, already said it. it's boring as
0: fuck, or well, maybe that should be B A F C boring as fuck, can't. <laughs> 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 because what is it? End-, End of Empire or whatever. There's one of the songs that starts off, and it's like this, like John Lennon pastiche with the chords from Imagine playing through, and he's doing his mumble indie thing. And then the whole unsubscribe refrain. Do you remember that? No. There's like a four minute long refrain <laughs> of just the Imagine chords, and he goes, and he unsubscribed and she unsubscribed and just <laughs> listing all these people that unsubscribed and it, it reminded me of uh, of um that that last stephen wilson album
1: ah uh, yep yeah i had that personal shopper shopping oh. and he
0: just listed all the shit that he <laughs> yeah. could have bought and i was like fuck this and, yeah there's a charcoal to
1: toothpaste stuff
0: deluxe box set that he was selling for $170 of that album and this this song does the same thing where it's like she unsubscribed feeling like she was high they rhyme unsubscribe with high honor and supply and I'm like guys again, like Kendrick Lamar just because you say it doesn't absolve you <laughs> and then the next song I don't know I didn't write down the names of this song the next song starts off with the chords that from Smashing Pumpkins Disarm that goes but then it goes into boring indie rock shit and I'm like don't fucking pretend you rock don't Getting to open up a song with a... <laughs> and that song if we're, if I'm doing the, the chooker thing hang on let me get the lyrics up I should have found a lyric from an earlier album to compare this with
1: who are you going toe-to-toe with exactly oh who have we got who's out this week who's brutal
0: Malevolence. <laughs> they at a cool hang on yeah yeah all right so so yeah the, the whingy emo chorus from the malevolent song that everyone's whinging about which is actually crowbar actually whereas feed me poison just to feel alive second guessing for the thousandth time as I walk on broken glass right we're walking on broken glass we got uh we're feeding poison to feel alive it's brutal and then we have arcade fire song I can't find the damn lyric but one of these songs the, the chorus to it is like we we all know how to rock and roll and shake and move and we all know that God approves. And that is the least rock and roll lyric that has ever been uttered by a supposedly rock and roll band ever. And and that was the point that if I if I had physical media, I would have taken it out and snapped it in in my rage. Well,
1: well, yeah, you can snap it and then add it to the pile of furniture you set on fire. Next time you listen to Malevolence
0: from Malevolence, the the Arcade Fire CD will just melt from the sheer riffage Um, but then right at the end track number nine Unconditional 2 comes in which is like another electronic song it's the third electronic song after we started with 2 then there were like seven tracks of indie bullshit then we have another electronic song featuring Peter Gabriel that's pretty good yeah (laughs) so I really why aren't they doing that I don't know Um, because
1: they're too cool for us
0: yeah that's true oh fuck it's bad (laughs) and then the the video is them like playing in the middle of a street and like singing all earnestly and it's in black and white I mean it can't be in the suburbs because they're not going to the shops, but because <laughs> I started off, I was ready to like this album and come in and be like, "Ah, I like Arcade Fire now." Now nah, this is this is garbage. When it gets into the garbage section, like it is worse yeah. than I remember. So Arcade Fire,
1: rest in peace. It's
0: been a long one, Carlo. But we got through it. Thanks for playing along. Now you're not going to be here the next two months. Is that what's going on?
1: Uh, I, I can be here just yeah. for a condensed, yeah, a condensed review list
0: um i mean there's lots of stuff there i mean i was thinking of asking maybe trent if he wants to jump on mm-hmm. but what i did want to keep you around for was all the tech death stuff is that something you want to do
1: yeah sounds good
0: and i think there's there's a couple of other albums there that i know there's there's bleed from within have mm-hmm. you listened to that one no i think they may also have been listening to architects but right and they're there there's billy howardell and and you like that drag dragged under album didn't you
1: i did right and uh, was it Ashes Divide, Billy Ashes. Howardell's? Um, yeah, yeah, his solo thing. Solo thing, and that I really liked that. So I'm um, anticipating what normal was. Yeah. So
0: what if we did like a, a shorter episode towards the end of the month with, with the Tech Death stuff and those three, and then I did the rest with someone else? Sounds good. What if we do a shorter episode with those three and the Tech death stuff and the new Coed and Canberra album? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I do recommend it. It's real good. It's uh, If you're after pop, pop rock, pop metal, it's, um yeah. His it's,
1: vocals are my issue, though. Well, so. now they're auto-tuned. <laughs> mm, I don't know if that helps. Well, we'll see.
0: We'll see when it comes out. I'll make you listen to the song "Bad Man," and you can tell me, tell me what you, uh, tell me what you reckon. All right. Did you like that last Thornhill album? Was that the just a-
1: the from a, a couple of years back? Yeah. Yeah, that, I thought that was really good.
0: All right. Well, maybe we can add that in there. You tell me what you want to listen to, and we'll do it just yep. for the stuff you would have listened to anyway. And then you, you're saying July as well. You're going to be busy. Yep. Because I'm looking at that, and that doesn't really strike me as there being anything there that's really Carlo related.
1: Uh, I mean, Megadeth, Greg Puciato, I would want to check out. Okay. I don't Um, actually
0: know if that Megadeth's coming out. It's got that date, but there's been absolutely nothing about it. So I don't know if that's going to happen.
1: And then, yeah, the rest of it's probably thin on my tastes. There's no hair metal.
0: You're coming back.
1: (laughs) You're you're taking two months
0: off, coming back. That's why there's no hair metal on those lines. Are you coming back in (laughs) August? I was gonna tell my story about how I went to see Alaska and the guy licked my Lady Gaga shirt, but um i <laughs> probably taken enough of your time <laughs> unless you really I mean, that's the story. I, I went to my first gig in two years, I went to see Alaska thunderfuck, winner of All Stars Two, and, and from season yeah. five of RuPaul's Drag Race, and um, and I wore my all over Lady Gaga art pom print shirt that is too small for me, but I'm like, fuck it, I'm doing it. And I went in and we went to the bar and I walked up to the bar and we we're waiting for drinks and I just felt like my back being stroked, like it was being traced. And I hear from behind me like, ooh, Gaga. <laughs> and, then, and there is a giant, presumably gay man just there who is completely wasted, just like stroking my back. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. And then I just hear, I'm going to lick it. And then it's like, just up my back. And I looked over, her, I was like, Oh, yeah, the, the girl who was with it was like, "Ah, oh, I suppose." Um, he's, oh, he's like, "Oh, he's gonna punch you. He's gonna." I'm like, "I'm not gonna punch you," <laughs> but I was like, I "Would really appreciate it if you didn't lick me." <laughs> I, I don't think that's uh, too much to ask for. Um, yeah, after COVID, but I think yeah, he was a licker. Um, but I did get multiple mm. compliments on my all over Lady Gaga print shirt. So nice. Yeah, going to the gay bar was good for my my self esteem. <laughs> but yeah that's the first gig i've been through for literal years except now you and i both have tickets to uh fit for an autopsy so oh yeah we'll do a proper review of that when we come back bye see ya